Asia Tech Podcast. Voice of the Asian Tech Ecosystem. Go. We are live. This is Pitch Tech Asia, powered by Asia Tech Podcast. My name is Graham Brown. We're on a tour of the startup ecosystem of Asia, talking to the unsung heroes. Who are the people that support the startup founders out there in Asia? So we're talking to accelerators, programs, funds. And we're here today in the headquarters of Impact Tech in Singapore, joined by two familiar faces, Kinera and Yoav. I'd say welcome to the show, even though we're sitting in your space. Thank you so much for making space for us this morning. It's great to have you here. So familiar faces, let's talk about you guys and also Impact Tech. So maybe we can start just with a welcome first. Kinera, good to see you again. Oh, thank you. Good to see you. You've been traveling a lot? Uh, lately, yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. you had a bit of a... Um, a run on countries in the last couple of weeks, right? Where did you yes. go? I was in Indonesia uh, with a meeting uh, at the ASEAN ed- headquarters Yeah. Uh, because uh, Impact Tech was chosen as the uh, Singaporean incubator to participate in this ASEAN uh, uh, project for incubators from around the regions. So right. We're the Singaporean uh, representative. So you're in Jakarta? Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, that alone is like a day to get across the city, isn't it? And then a Yeah, day it's to like you're, go- you're there for the day, but it's like a whole month. Right, exactly. Yeah. So you did Jakarta, you're based here in Singapore. Yes. You've also got outreach in Japan? Yes. Mm-hmm. Thailand? I was also in Israel. And Israel. Yeah. And you're both from Israel. We'll talk a little bit about your background as yes. well. Mm-hmm. A familiar oh, face. And, and on Friday, I'm going to New York. New York? Yeah, but that's for holiday. Okay, time off. Yeah. All right, mm-hmm. Kinara, thank you. You have yourself, sir. Tell us a little bit about yourself. You've got an interesting background as well. How long have you been in Singapore? So I arrived to Singapore 11 years ago. Yeah. Uh, I arrived actually from one of the corporates, international corporates. However, soon after, uh, I started to be also entrepreneurs, entrepreneur. And uh, along with Kineret, uh, we founded several companies. And this is, uh, the ju- this is where the journey started that brought us to Impact Tech. Right. So y- you have founded and exited companies together before. So you have that working relationship in the history. And then you set up the accelerator here. Tell us a little bit about your corporate life, your previous life. What were you doing? So I always combine two things, which is technology, innovation, along with business. I felt very comfortable in this domain. And uh, I think all the knowledge that I gain in the corporate world also helped me in the entrepreneurial life. Mm. This is why we really think that a lot of um, good startups actually came from people that worked or are working in corporates. Absolutely. That is our philosophy here. We love the corporate dropouts. I mean, we all know about <laughs> the college dropouts, right? You know, the 19, 20-year-old kids, Stanford, pair of shorts, you know, they, they come out with a computer engineering degree or something. But there's this whole generation now of people with 15, 20 years experience in corporates. They know what's broken. Sometimes they have a little bit of capital, but they have a network as well. They're not necessarily going to change the whole world, but they're just focused on maybe looking at this is broken in HR or this is broken in nonprofits or this is broken in marketing. And they just focus on fixing that. So do you think that's a particularly strong sector here in Singapore? 
I think in general, someone who is coming from a corporate uh, occasionally identified a real problem, a meaningful problem, and he know the problem in depth. And every good startup starts with a problem. But if you come from really knowing the problem in depth, your chances to find a good solution to it is quite high. Yeah. So this is why we see, along with the young entrepreneurs that are fresh, like fresh graduates, we see great entrepreneurs that are coming from the corporates. Yeah, excellent. Good. And before we start talking about impact, I want to talk about you two as well. So you're both Israeli. Mm-hmm. And you know, if nobody would have known, they would soon find out, sitting before this conversation that we're having now, it doesn't take long to get into an in-depth discussion with an Israeli, it seems. Like five minutes, you're already straight to the main point and you're talking about the big issues. Is that a very Israeli thing? You know, I mean, I'm very much used to living in Asia where things are very much consensual and maybe I have to get to know you a little bit better first before we start going into the more controversial topics. Tell us a little bit about what we need to know, just so people don't misunderstand you when they're actually talking to you. Uh, yeah, in Israel, everybody in two minutes, they always tell you exactly what they think, right. what you should do, what you're doing wrong in any any aspect. If you're yeah. with your, uh, just an example, if you're walking with your baby uh, along the street, No one knows you. They will just come and tell you, no, this is what you should put a hat, wear the socks, what's, why isn't she eating, things like that. So in every aspect. In politics, it takes, right. I think, less than one minute and all the room will start to you know, right. engage. Yeah, there must be some really heated and we, discussion. And we use our hands a lot and very verbal yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, yeah. the, the body. Is that a good thing in the context of startups? You know, especially here in Asia, like we're a bit more, say we, I mean, we, we've, you know, we've all lived in Asia for many years between us, right? And you must have learned to adapt and maybe moderate your behavior a little bit. In, in the world of startups, is that a good quality? I think, yes. In the startup world, you need to be very direct in what you want. In the startup world also, the entrepreneur is expected not to be shy, but ask for things that he needs because yeah. uh, he has lack of resources. Usually, he does not have a lot of money, do not have a lot of things to give. But in general, people are really willing to give if you just ask. So part of, uh, part of the journey with good entrepreneurs, at least here, is uh, we really encourage them to, be, to take the Israeli way, be direct, and just ask. Yeah. And usually the answer is yes. Yeah, and it's not easy to ask if you've been trained for 15 years at school exactly. not to ask, right? Yeah. Do you find this a, 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 an issue with young entrepreneurs here in Singapore, in Asia in particular, that... We've, you know, my son's in an Asian school, was in an Asian school until recently, and you know, they're trained in a very passive way to, to onboard and learn information. Yet maybe for you, when you grew up at school, that you were maybe trained to shout and ask questions and challenge things and so on. Yet, so when you come out and you've got a great idea as a young entrepreneur, and then you're out there in the wild pitching, you know, you're not naturally trained to ask. So how do you sort of overcome that? How do you sort of instill that with young entrepreneurs here I think in Asia? you said good, the word challenge. So first of all, we always try to, you know, sort of teach people, even our kids, that don't take anything for granted. So ask questions all the time. Uh, if someone tells you no, it's it, not possible or cannot, why? Mm. Why cannot? So really try to, you know, g- get the real answers and try to find the solutions. Uh, but... Again, as being, uh, you said, if to be Israeli is good, 
you need to really adapt to the Asian culture. You can't mm-hmm. be Israeli in Asia. It will never work. Yeah. You need to take some of the good things, but do it in, a, in the Asian way. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we've we, we spoken before, but and obviously, um, Yoav, we just sat and had uh, a chat before we went on air now. And it, it was a good, a really good chat. We went quite deep. And within 10 minutes, you're already telling me this is what I should do with my business. And I, I'm like, I, I'm listening and thinking, I really am enjoying this discussion because I'm hearing some like really strong, positive feedback as well. And I need to hear that. And you need to be challenged. Yet, maybe if I was from a different background, I'd you know, maybe take it the wrong way. So I think we all have to adapt a little bit to each other in this culture as well. Maybe we can tell, talk a little bit about your backgrounds as well in your startup entrepreneurial background and in particular you talk about going out and hearing a no and being rejected and that's hard isn't it i mean that's that's the reality of startup life how many times did you get rejected in your life as an entrepreneur i can't even uh, give us a, a number <laughs> endless times endless, endless. tell yeah. us a little bit about that because we want to know that you're of this world so well, founders are yeah you, you get it you hear my pain I think it's all about how you take a no. If you just take no as no, it's fine. But sometimes you take no as my business is no good, I'm not good, uh, I'm I'm completely failure. So this is wrong. But if you just take no as a simple no, and as Kinneret mentioned, ask, dive in, why not? As simple as that, it's much easier. Yeah. Um, I think for us also in the beginning, or like every entrepreneur, you, you tend to take this now and create stories around it. But um, this is part of what we educate the, the young generation of entrepreneurs. Yeah. No is just a no. No, is, yeah, and that's just one way to get to a yes eventually. Right? Oh, yeah, it's exactly. Numbers, it's numbers, isn't it? You're just going to keep moving forward. So you have a successful career both of you as startup entrepreneurs and corporate as well before that you've had exits and then you started impact tech so tell us a little bit about the genesis of that conversation where did it happen who pitched who the idea who came up with the idea and how did it form let's go way back to you know over the dinner table or over a beer however it happened over a coffee where were you when you came up with the idea I'll let you I'll start and then I'll of course I will probably need correct to him. correct him. Yes. <laughs> but let's see what he remembers. Okay. All right, yeah. No, but the journey is really after being an entrepreneur here, we started to understand what we believe entrepreneurs need here in order to succeed. And it's all the things that we lacked when we were entrepreneurs and the ecosystem was just in the infancy. So we thought, okay, I wish we had this and this and that. And according to this, we built the program. Um, actually, the original, we had some, you know, uh, um, the original name of uh, Accelerator, we thought to create it, a flywheel. But flywheel. after the minute he uh, said that, I said no. Oh, so, so it was his idea. <laughs> and you yeah. Flywheel was no. Okay. Um, and, um, and then it came, this is the impact side. It came out of, of the philosophy that we believe we live in a very unique time in the human race, which individuals, due to the accessibility and affordability of technology, can create meaningful impact on areas which in the past only corporates and government dealt with, mm. such as energy, energy, healthcare, social inequality, education, etc. So we combine together our, our belief to help and empower startups uh, along with specifically focus on the ones who create positive impact on us as a society. Mm. Very interesting. When we started our journey in Singapore, there was no ecosystem, nothing. You didn't, 
no co-working spaces, no, mm. you know, a lot of VCs. I didn't when even know this? what it was. When was uh, 2009. All right. Okay. Uh, there was nothing here. It's a different world. Uh, different world. Yeah. So along the way, we everything we did on our own, everything, mm. uh, learned everything by ourselves. So. What was it like then when you, I mean, back in 2009, when there weren't co-working spaces, when you were having conversations with people about what you were trying to do, when you know, there weren't so many startup events and even like Failcon hadn't started yet, you know, when um, Golden Gate set up here. So that whole idea about what you were doing more was like an alternative lifestyle, I guess, for some people to view what you were doing. How was it back then? So, so you know, here in 2019, 10 years on, it's a lot easier, isn't it? I mean, obviously you have Impact Tech. There's a lot of support here and we'll talk about that in a minute. But back then, it must have been that. No, you didn't even, we didn't even have smartphones. Okay. Um, nothing was online. Nokia. N nothing, yeah. So very, very different. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think people thought we're, because also I sort of left the corporate to do this crazy food delivery thing. So people thought, what, you're crazy? Well, you know, how, what are you going to do? How are you going to do this? Uh, there was, n you know, nothing really supporting you at that time. So. Uh, how did you answer that when people said, Oh, for me, it's just, uh, I'll show them. Okay. Was that energy <laughs> motivation for you? Yeah, it's yeah. always motivation for me. When right. someone tells me, mm, oh, I'll show him. Right. Yeah. yeah, good. That's a good motivation as well, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, you've got people to prove wrong. Yes. And back then as well, you left a, a successful career and that was a risk, wasn't it? And uh, Yes, a financial risk. Yeah, yeah. also Singapore. Also, uh, yesterday it was uh, the first, uh, it's number one city Uh the most expensive city in the world, so right. yes. Yeah, and family, everything. So, you mm -hmm. know, you were taking a risk. Yes. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's not something that you take on lightly as a reckless risk. You know, maybe you can when you're younger, just, yes, let's see what happens. And, you know, Because of this uh, reckless risk, then you need to work harder. Yeah. To prove that it's not going to be a reckless risk. Okay. So there's a lot of people out there now in the startup ecosystem, why um, do they need, for example, an accelerator or an ecosystem like Impact Tech, um, you know, that focus specifically on startups with social impact? Why is that necessary? Why can't I just go to any other accelerator? I think that uh, as an entrepreneur, you need and expect it to know many things and to master a lot of skills. However, you don't have the resources to buy those skills. So one of the best and most effective way proven in the world is to join a program such as Incubator or Accelerator where you get those skills uh, in a very fast and effective way. In addition, I think compared to Academy, all the skills that we teach here and provide here are very, very practical. It's something that immediately you can apply uh, in your startup. In addition, also, you are surrounded by a like-minded entrepreneur. And we yeah. believe the power of the community is crucial for your success. Because if you're an entrepreneur and you're surrounded with bankers and uh, lawyers. lawyers and insurance people, not sure they will give you the right uh, support. Uh, right. They'll be like the conversation, like, are you crazy? Why are you doing this? You know, why don't you just get a career and, exactly. and pay your mortgage? Right? So you're so. surrounded with, with the right environment, surrounded by the right yeah. content and people that can how important is that? I think these, this is underrated, isn't it? Surrounding yourself with the right people that if you're a startup founder often, you know, and I wonder as well, you can tell me, do startup founders come here alone or do they come as a, a team already made? So, you know, do they come here because, you know, maybe you can help them connect with other startup founders as well? You know, how much of that is what you do? Well, in general, uh, in, in Asia, to be entrepreneur is less socially accepted. 
So all their existing surrounding is not necessarily su supporting them. Even their parents, they can pretend, oh, it's great that you're having your startup, but in, back in their mind, they want you to work in the bank. Yeah. And they think, okay, they try play with this crazy stuff for one year and go back to... Yeah, <laughs> to get, get out of your <laughs> system and then come back to the, the real world, right? So, so really isolate them in the right environment um, is, is part of, of the success. And they know that. And they know that this is why they feel so at home when they join a program. Mm. And when they join a program, it's not only, okay, we are here for four months. The doors are always open. So they are part of a community. And it's forever valuable for them. Yeah. What, what sort of stage are startups when they come through the door that first, before they even join the program? Where do they come from? What kind of backgrounds? And what kind of conversations usually are, you know, take place in the first interactions with you? Well, uh, you see, I think, three group of, group, groups of entrepreneurs. Uh, the one, the fresh graduates, uh, really, that um, came uh, with a certain vision, mission, you know, has, have something in mind, a very, very unrefined. The second group is, uh, as we mentioned in the beginning, the corporate one mm. that worked already 10, 20 years in the corporate, etc. And they are also the serial entrepreneurs. The ones who already did a startup, maybe succeeded, maybe maybe failed in doing the next one, and uh, and they value the, the 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 power of the community. So although they they come, they they're quite strong. They have a lot of knowledge and experience, but still they want to belong to something to some to some community and also get updated with the latest uh, material or content yeah. that we can provide. Do, do they? I mean, I what sort of stage do they come to you? Are they sort of at idea stage yeah mostly yeah. a lot no a lot of come a lot come with idea yeah. and a lot come with something right. uh, they have MVP, MVP okay. uh, maybe something a bit more what's the sweet uh, spot where you know you'd want to start working with them is, is there a sort of an optimum stage where you say uh, it? it depends it can be an idea right. but the team is really good so okay. why not uh, it can be uh, excellent uh, idea but team not so good so it really depends um, yeah on so let's talk about some of the ideas that have come through the door then and uh, also you know I know sometimes it's like choosing between your children like who you're going to talk about now but just give us some flavor of some of the um, just recently who's come onto impact tech some of the people in your batch who who I guess uh, different questions I want to ask you, like give us some examples of who's come in, um, who has really surprised you. So, you know, maybe they were the, the, the sleeper hit, if you like, the ones that you thought, I'm not sure about these guys, but they really, you know, they turned out a great result or they surprised you in terms of what they were capable of doing. You know, we have our own biases, right? Naturally. And, and maybe some that you thought, wow, these guys are that they're really trying to do something big here, you know, like a really big mission impact on society as well. So just throw it out there. Let's start. Who, who have you had recently on the program? I think uh, before we go into maybe give specific examples, I, I think uh, you, you easily can distinguish between the, the teams who come to with the concept of I play to win compared to I play to play. The ones who really start a startup with the full intention to create a success story compared to the ones who start a startup because it's a bit of trendy. Maybe they receive some government grant. Maybe their the, the friends are doing it. And, uh, and, and it's really fun to work with the ones who are really coming to play to win. Yeah. And also, they're likely to succeed. Yeah. How, how do you know that when they come through the door that they're here to win? 
Mm. What, what, what are the, I know it doesn't say it on their CV, right? I'm here to win. Well, what are the telltale signs? Well, if someone, t- the first uh, question that he asks is how I raise money and how can you help me raise money, he's uh, not playing to win because mm. he's not creating, he's not aiming to create value. I mean, if his target is, is money, is mm, maybe, yeah. maybe not, not the right, the, right, the right direction to start. The first uh, thing in entrepreneur is how can I create the maximum value to someone? Yeah. And the rest will follow money, success, and impact uh, as well. That's great advice because I imagine startup founders may come here thinking that's the right question to ask. It's like, how can you help me raise money? Where, you know, if they were to watch this interview as well, they would know that that's not necessarily the best question to ask off the bat. Better question is to start, you know, how can I solve this problem? How can you help me solve this problem of creating some kind of impact, right? So, and obviously money is part of that, but it's not the goal, right? Very interesting. Thank you for sharing that insight as well. And I can tell you now where we also have operation in Tokyo. Yeah. And we're just now, uh, we're starting our program in April. And uh, we have now 11 startups and we interviewed a lot, about 30 something, and none of them really asked, okay, how can you help me raise money? This was one of the last questions that they, mm. how can I grow my company globally? How can I, uh, I need mass production. I need help in this. And the funding always came last. Yeah. So it, it was very, you know, changing. Yeah, that's uh, good. Something new for us. Yeah, yeah, that's great to hear. So in, in that Tokyo batch, um, without sort of any kind of preference, who was the, the, the first one to come to you that you accepted? A toothbrush? Uh, who are those guys? <laughs> it's, a la- it's a girl. Uh, yeah. It's the only female entrepreneur we have out of the 11 startups. Japanese? Japanese. And uh, she uh, created this... Uh, Uh, for kids Uh, if you have young kids you know that they hate brushing their teeth it's like a nightmare every evening so you uh, you put this thing on any toothbrush and immediately it's uh, a game for them with an ipad or iphone or you know any smartphone and they can see exactly how they brush their teeth where they need to uh, do it a bit more you know clean better and it's a game for them and they love it and she started uh, selling and she um he sold everything and now she wants to do mass production mm. and uh, and yeah it's really it's really cute and she also wants to do it for adults in the future right um, but yeah, yeah so uh, with something like that when somebody <laughs> comes through the door and they say I want to make this toothbrush it's very niche isn't it and it's very specific I mean we can all identify with it but yet when you look at something like that how do you know that that's the right person they may just have picked like you say they might be they're here to play to play right well, right. first of all, I always ask them, is this your full-time job? Yeah. Uh, that's the first thing. What happens if they say no? Uh, it's a question mark. You no, know it's more? not a question mark because when I started as an entrepreneur, I also had a full-time job. Uh, but uh, so you, when people say, no, it's not my full-time job, of course, you need to assess and see right. what, okay. you know. It's but, more, uh, you need more data to understand yeah, a little bit. About. It's usually about the person. Yeah. Okay. But for her, it's her full-time job, and you can see how passionate she is about this, and right. uh, how you know how she's—you just see the person. Right. So, what, what did you see? I mean, I guess that's the because you guys have both got a lot of experience. You um, make a lot of decisions based on your 
previous experience and patterns. You see patterns of behavior and personality types and you get very good at making snap decisions, right? And also back it up with a bit of data and that's why you work as you know, a team as well yourself. One of you is probably better at analytical, one is probably more better, you, you know how it works in these relationships. Now, when you have a, a founder coming in and they're wanting to build a toothbrush, for example, how, how do you know that the why behind that is correct or right or what you're looking for you know you know why is this person the right person to do this right they may just think yeah i'm really passionate about this toothbrush um but if it doesn't w work out i'll go and do something else it's usually it comes from their own personal story so it's personal issues she had at home with her kids right so it's usually starts with that yeah. and then you know it's something that really is they're really passionate about this because it's a real problem for her yeah I think that uh, entrepreneurs that come to us with uh, an idea and initially our reaction is, what? Or we start to doubt his idea, doubt ourselves and work hard to get it, it means there is something in it. Mm. Because if you look at any good ideas in the when, uh, when the, uh, the idea was pitched first, it sounds ridiculous and crazy. And you can mention everything. For example, Airbnb. If someone would tell you 10 years ago that you will sleep on someone else's someone else couch and some other place, it's a crazy idea. This is a magic of, of creating a great startup. So it actually disrupts disrupt, uh, mm. the, the common sense and you make the other side, the other side doubt. Yeah. This is where yeah. the magic happens. And we're looking for it. If startup, after two minutes, I fully understand and get it, I said, well, it's, maybe it's not so special. Mm. So yeah. good, good, good reaction to a startup in the, in the beginning is, what? And after five minutes, ah, get it. Yeah, yeah. That, this, this is really interesting, this conversation. And I, I read um, Peter Thiel, talking about this particular question he asks startup founders and he he asks them you know what is the one thing or he calls it what is the fundamental truth that people disagree with you on so for, for example if somebody came through the door and they said i think healthcare is too expensive and everybody said yeah i agree with you or you know i think education isn't working people say yeah i agree with you he's not interested in those guys he's interested in the guys that go out there and say you know i think this is broken or this can be done differently and people say nah get out of here no it works but he's he's there or she's there you know knocking on doors banging their head against the wall like self-doubt but keep going so i'm really interested in that conversation that you have with founders when they say something to you and say you're, you're like i'm not quite sure about this but then eventually you come around to seeing it so have you had any of those conversations recently with any of your batch or founders where people have come and you thought at first, you know, I don't get that? Uh, yes, we, we have it. I can give you all kinds of examples uh, if it's related to, for example, to energy startups that people say, well, all the concept of the existing lithium battery do not, is not efficient enough in related to drones or for medical devices. That people need to have energy all the time. And they are outside and they are not connected to circuits. And I would like to use new technologies such as hydrogen and, and others to, to provide this hydrogen. And they come with crazy portable battery made of hydrogen in the beginning. You say, what? Right. And then you start to get the philosophy behind it and get the technology that they want to apply. And even if it's an early stage, you start to get, hey, it's, it's maybe a beginning of a certain revolution. So this is an example related to technology. And there are other startups related also to how to do business, to the innovation in operation or the business model. And again, you, you think, whoa, but... 
um, things are working and this guy just wants to tweak the business model and make the change but then you understand that sometimes this is all the magic mm. it's changing a small tweak uh, it's like uh, if you can for, for example, Amazon perfected all the innovation come in the operations side and the supply chain. They did not invent anything new. Mm. But what they did, they just do, they did and do great. Same as simple things like uh, WhatsApp. There was SMS and MMS. But what they did is something really good with small tweaks. Mm. So sometimes the innovation come in the little details. So you also need to respect those. Yeah. And you're, you're in that business of maybe identifying talent which is not yet refined isn't it that you can help them tweak that maybe somebody comes and say you know i'm working on this lithium battery and i've got this crazy idea and you're like okay let's chat about this what can this do and maybe they don't see the operational side that you can bring in or maybe open it to supply chain or some kind of innovation but they just have that raw talent that That is why I think people need mentors, accelerators, because often startup founders are talented, but they don't have that kind of outside perspective. And people say, hang on a second, have you looked at this? Or maybe if you tweak this, because I, I understand that I've had 20 years experience here, right? So, you know, what are you looking for in their personalities and in, in the raw talent side when people walk through? I think the most important thing is, like I said, people are very talented, but you want people that, can, that are willing to listen and learn. And come with no ego, because mm. this is a big problem that people, oh, I know everything. I'm, very, I'm a tech person, I'm, I'm a genius, I know everything. And they're less willing to learn and listen to you and uh, not less coachable. Right. We But need the ones that are willing to be coachable, willing to listen to you, to maybe make these small tweaks. Well, let, let me put that back to you. Like, let's say you have a founder who's just got this amazing technology that could change something. And they know more than you in their, in their yes, mind. Definitely. And, you know, they're going to make this happen, right? And they're sitting here with you now. And you're, you're like, absolutely right about the coachability. And I hear so many investors say, like, are they going to take on board advice? Even if it's small advice, are they going to, even if they disagree, say, okay, I'll listen to it. I'll have a look and I'll come back to you. Not, no, no off the bat, not listening. If they came with you, you know, and, and sat down and said, this is going to be amazing that we've done all this research look at the traction would you still consider it if they were uncoachable uh good question i don't know it's hard to tell uh it really depends on the people right. uh, but if they're less coachable and they they think they know everything then i don't think they have a place here because we're here to help them so if they knocked on the door in the first place they came for a reason yeah Uh, like you offset maybe they just came for funding so you know this is not what we do uh, if you came here for another reason then you know let's sit and talk and see how we can really help you yeah it's a I great answer I think I think our style here also is combination between mentorship and coaching and uh, mentorship is for us giving a lot from ourselves from our experience from advices and opening new options for them to consider connecting them to things Well, coaching is getting the answers from the entrepreneurs himself by asking a set of questions and really, first of all, helping him set the goals and helping, helping him define the problems and define the optional passes to move yeah. and evaluate those passes to choose the right path. So combination of co coaching skills and mentorship, I think this is something we apply here. And... Uh, 
this really helps also those entrepreneurs that occasionally believe that they know everything but we we, we help them actually get more from themselves by asking them the right questions and asking them to consider different passes of, of movement and I think this is also part of uh, our maybe unique approach to to empower the entrepreneurs mm. you're learning as well I, I'm assuming because you're natural entrepreneurs and you are always on the learning curve at some point and going up hopefully um, what have you learned in building impact tech from that first conversation that you had when it was flywheel <laughs> as an idea and where you are now because now you're in Thailand Singapore and Japan so you You know it hasn't been a straight line uh, that is startup life you are a startup in your, your own sort of world as well aren't you you're, you're learning and tell us a little bit about that journey what do you know now about running a social impact accelerator that you didn't know day zero that it's going to be crazy uh, it's going to be a roller coaster that way you the The things that you start in the morning are totally different from what the day is going to look like at the end and every day is different and opportunities just come and go and people come and go and uh, a lot of things it's like you said it's like a startup so a lot of uncertainty and uh, you always need to work very hard and mm. um, did you think when you when you started that accelerator would be a lot more sort of gentle gradual no sort of because I knew what it is to have a startup so I knew it's not going to be gentle and it's going to be a rough right. road but uh, I would never have imagined three years ago when we started where we would be today and what we, we we know the countries where we are and what we're doing and the people that we met in the startup so I can't imagine where I'll be a year from now so yeah uh, you said it's crazy and like every day you Is changing yeah you must want to be in that environment because you both like over a stage of your life that you, you know, you've had a few successes um, you don't need to prove anything anymore in theory um, and you, you're sure of yourselves so why then choose to go back into that for many people is an uncomfortable environment you know it's outside the comfort zone you You don't know who's going to walk through that door. You don't know like, that necessarily if you're going to be another two countries or four countries or six countries next year. Things change. And you're dealing with startup founders who themselves have their own things going on, right? So why do you put yourself in this situation? For me, it's very simple. The uncomfortable is my comfortable. Right. That's, that's, I, need, uh, you know, I need this. Yeah. If I'm like this, it's boring for me. boring yeah and then I don't do anything and I'm depressed and I yeah. like this action I think this is a really interesting conversation with startup founders and there is that vibe of the startup founder I mean I feel it for sure that you know I've lived on tropical islands and done all that and it gets old it gets quite boring and you know that being around people who have that creativity and can challenge you You know that's what it's about for me I think and you know hearing that from you it's like yeah this is this is the the curse and the blessing of the entrepreneur right but I think uh, you'll see in mo most of the entrepreneurs around the world once they started once they started this journey 
it, they never, it, it never ends because it's being addicted to create something, to bring value that, and to create something from scratch because entrepreneur is the only one that you cannot replace. I mean, let's take, for example, I don't know, a building. You can replace the funding bank and the architect and the builders, but you cannot replace the founder. So this tech startup, without a founder, it would not exist. So it is really good feeling, this creation feeling. And it's getting, it's become addictive. So mm. you see what we call serial entrepreneurs that keep on creating companies or entrepreneurs that decide to contribute to the ecosystem in different ways. They become angel investors, they work in VCs, they start accelerators and incubators, but, but they, never, they never leave this ecosystem. Yeah. Uh, another thing in, in our specific um, a specific environment, uh, it's great to be in an environment that every day I meet great people, passionate people, smart people with great ideas. Well, whoever loves or enjoy being with people, it's heaven. Yeah, absolutely. They, they say, don't you, that you are the sum of the five people you hang around with on a daily basis. Yeah. You know, if you hang around with five people who are, you know, raising your game, you know, I mean, it's, it's a great learning experience, isn't it? You know, I can come here, I can talk to you, you know, and learn about your uh, journeys, your motivations as well. I come away from this conversation this morning and I think, wow, I've got to raise my game now. I feel like, you know, I've got to go out there and do something, take it to the next level, right? So, you know, that's motivating for us and for you guys, having those people come through the door, those startup founders saying, I want to change something, you know, you call me crazy, but I can do this, right? That must really inspire and motivate you as well. So, okay, just a thought to, to hang in there with. Um, just so people understand about mechanics of an accelerator. So those people who um, are interested in impacting and want to come here and have that first conversation, um, there's, a, there's a gap, isn't there, between where they are now and, and coming through the door and talking to you. So let's sort of help bridge that gap. First of all, help them understand how an accelerator works. So um, do, you, uh, you, do you have an application program? Do you actually invest in any of the startups? Um, and what happens to a startup after it's graduated from your accelerator. Yeah. So talk about the mechanics of it right. first. So th there are two flavors of the accelerator, or I would say three flavors of the accelerator. One is accelerator that uh, is initiated by corporates. So we have a corporate such as if it, Singtel, Raise, Shell, and, and others that uh, came to us and we helped them on their behalf to execute their vision to accelerate startups that mm. are uh, uh, in the area which they are interested, such as in, if it's a social tech, energy, etc. This is one flavor. The other flavor is the program that we initiate. Sometimes we initiate program with our general related to uh, impactful startups, and sometimes we have a specific program, like we, a program we did, we called CEO to empower female entrepreneurs. And the third flavor is, um, I would say, one-on-one -on -one mentorship. So we, we could call it some kind of personal accelerator which entrepreneurs come, usually the ones who have some funding, and uh, they actually uh, receive our service, but one-on-one. -on -one. Um, a lot of them are actually from the corporate world. They came, they have an idea, they want to grow the startups, they have no idea how to, how to do it, but they think that maybe joining a full group is less what they are seeking. Mm. So do they come, I mean, in all of these cases, do they come and join a batch and you have like no, the traditional the, three months and a demo the day? The corporate, yeah, it's a batch. Also yeah. our own, uh, I would say, initiative, the cohorts, the flavor number two that you have said, it's a batch. 
Uh, number three, no, it's individual. Right, but, so uh, that could last as long as they need yeah, those services. Need. And the way to reach us is very simple. Just go to our website, impacttech.com, go to the contact, and that's, cool. that's it. Well, you put Very the call easy. out there. We'll put details <laughs> in the show notes as well. Is there any type of founder or areas you particularly want to encourage more of at the moment here in Singapore? And obviously, you know, Thailand and Japan as well. You know, certain solutions, certain verticals, certain types of background founders that you, you know are out there but need maybe to... We're looking for uh, people that are solving, uh, you know, uh, big problem. Uh, no, no. Uh, problems but in big scale and yeah. we want people that think big and not small uh, Singapore is a great market but it's a very small market so if you're doing something in Singapore from day one think how you're going to do it in Southeast Asia which is a very very large region right. and you can uh, create much more impact that way so when you say problems on a big scale mm -hmm. these are going to be big problems as well you know these are sort of global yeah. Uh, it touches, I mean, just so people understand what social impact really is, what could that be? Everything from healthcare to poverty to social brushing your teeth, for example. To, uh, um, um, energy, which yeah. is environment, uh, uh, smart cities, um, everything. Today, right. it's really a big, uh, very wide umbrella. Yeah. There are three words that, uh, that whoever comes in the door, we, we, we seek it's uh, innovation, technology, and impact. And when those three worlds come, worlds come together, use technology in an innovative way to generate impact, this is what we like. Mm. As Kineret mentioned, also it needs to be, or we, we prefer to be not solving a very small problem, a niche problem for a specific village or specific group of people, but something that can be applied to big group of people or, or, or nations. A lot of time the entrepreneurs come and they believe that what they did is really just local solution. And along with the journey with us, actually we show them, hey, your, your solution is much bigger than you think by, um, yourself. Mm. So I want to ask you one last question about this because I'm sure it's on the minds of entrepreneurs who are listening is that tell me about my startup idea and how it fits in here. Does it need to make money? Because it's social impact. I can create a massive social impact, but I'm not sure about the economics of my model. And I'm sure this is something going through because there's always a bit of a, a payoff here, you know, finding that right balance. How do you address that? No, I, I don't think there is a payoff. Actually, I think it's a myth. Uh, the pra practical thing is every startup needs to make money. If you cannot make money, the business model will not hold. Right. He will always be kind of a beggar or we rely on donation Charity, or foundation yeah. or, or charities. So business model must be applied and it's not less important than the impact. And uh, we work with them actually to create a business model that can last and scale. Also, um, uh, we believe that only when uh, you have the business model that can make sense, you can approach further funding from investors, angels, etc. So I think we try to, to change the perception of people that the social tech is just doing impact yeah, or right. no profit. So yeah. um, this, is, this is something that we are changing. And now we have quite a lot of approaches from foundations and from all kinds of charities that can you help those people that we invested in actually create a business model that they can last right. and they can earn their own money and scale rather than coming back to us. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it's great to get it out there because I think it's so right as well, what you're doing. Obviously, you, you know, as they say, you can give a person a fish, but if you teach them to fish, they can, you know, that, that problem then can be solved on a, a massive scale, right? If they can raise funds, scale, get traction and so on, then, you know, they're not constantly asking for handouts and support from 
sometimes agencies or sometimes charities and so on. These guys can go and build it on their own, right, and grow. So thank you so much for sharing your insights and your journey with us here today. I mean, it was really insightful and inspiring as well. So Joav and Kinara, thanks for your time this morning. Thank you very much. Best way, obviously, you, you said about the website as well Very to reach easy. out to you. Yeah. Um, are you open to people contacting you on LinkedIn as well? Yeah, Absolutely. of course. Yes. LinkedIn, yeah. everything, Facebook, all yeah. the social media. What, what's the starting point for that? Because honestly, I know this sounds like a very basic thing, but especially like here in Singapore, people might be a bit afraid to reach out. Okay, those that are good at pitching and you know doing the hustle, they're good at that. But there are some people who think, you know, what do I do? You know, do I reach out and say, I watch this video or do I say, can I meet for a coffee or do I have to fill in a form? What works for you? Everything works. (laughs) (laughs) Coffee is always good. So yeah. All right. Uh, But anything works. Whatever is comfortable for the other side. That's great to hear. I think the journey of the entrepreneur starts when he's making the move from being out there in the dark to say, well, I'm reaching out to if it's a program or something. I think it's yeah. great also from his perspective uh, prove to himself that I'm serious about it. I'm going to make it happen. Yeah. Yeah, excellent. Great. What a place to end the conversation as well. Yoav and Kinara from Impact Tech. We'll put all the details in the show notes. Love what you guys are doing. Um, and you, you know, the more we can help you in any way and get you out there and your stuff. And startup. we love so what you're doing. This is so much fun. You should do a, an Asian roadshow. Go to other countries and... Uh, have you been yeah. sitting in our conversations, listening in to us? It sounds like you have been. We're thinking alike here. so. But yeah, definitely, we're up for it. So yeah. Thailand, yes. Japan. Yeah, yeah. Oh, How about it? Perfect. Right, cool. Yeah. Sounds good. <laughs> All right, we're signing out. My name's Graham Brown. Thank you so much. If you um, are interested in connecting with these guys, then as they say, either go through the website or reach out to them on LinkedIn. Do the coffee thing. You know, Don't be afraid. You've been listening to Asia Tech Podcast. Find out more at ATP.show.